I just said no. I didn't think this was any illegal doing. So I said, no, I'm not going to destroy these screens. And if you want to destroy it, you have to take it to the court and let them uh, decide. And then I waited for some weeks and they took it to the court. And I won the first case. And then they made an appeal to a second court. And I didn't think it was uh, going to accept that, but the big company used a lot of money on lawyers and stuff. So they managed to the appeal to go through to a higher court. And lucky for me, I lost in the uh, middle court. But now I have made an appeal myself to the Supreme Court. And they have found mistakes in the process. So they have allowed it to go into the Supreme Court. Welcome to Restart Radio. I'm Dave Pickering and I make a monthly podcast for the Restart Project. The Restart Project is a London-based charity and social enterprise whose mission is to spark reflection and change in our relationship with gadgets. For this December episode, although we aren't visiting Santa Claus at the North Pole, we are visiting a very industrious and dedicated person in a cold place. Henrik Hussebert is a very soft-spoken professional repairer of computers and mobiles who lives and works in a small town just outside of Oslo in Norway. His country is the highest per capita producer of electronic waste. In 2017, whilst providing an essential service to reduce that waste, he found himself in the sights of one of the world's largest and most powerful companies. Apple tried to force him to sign a settlement, agreeing not to manufacture, import, sell or market any products infringing Apple's trademarks and asked the Norwegian customs to destroy a shipment of iPhone screens that Henrik had ordered. But he pushed back and for the last two and a half years on a shoestring he has stood up in court and faced Apple. He won his first appearance in court then experienced a setback when Apple appealed that decision and now the Supreme Court has accepted his appeal on its merits and he faces Apple, hopefully for the last time. In today's episode, I talk to him about his work, his case and how your support can help make a difference to his fight against Apple. A fight that isn't just about this individual case, but is in many ways a fight for everybody's right to repair. My name is Henrik Husebø. I live in a town called Ski in Norway, 20 minutes drive from Oslo. Uh, it's kind of small town. So yeah, how did you originally get into repair? I started the company 10 years ago with some small things like drop-in repair with computers. It uh, turns out that many people needed repair on mobile phones also. So I started learning that and started with uh, repairing iPhones. The first one, 3GS. That's how you started doing repair 
for a living. Had you had experience with repairing things before you set up that company? Or when did repair first come into your life growing up or as a young person? My experience was an IT consultant before and I worked in other companies in Oslo with servers, helping uh, clients on such things like Windows Server, Windows desktop computers on different companies. Then I decided to be my own boss, start my own place. Was IT something that you kind of fell into or was it a kind of interest of yours before you started the career in it? Yeah, always dealing with computers. I had the Commodore 64 and Amiga. I had a Spectrum ZX80. That was my first computer. The cool kids had the Commodores. I had to go over their house to play on their Commodore. It was uh, start with Commodore 64, as I said, and uh, just progressed as soon the PC came. Let's have interested in uh, in building pcs and, and stuff like that so i was building gaming pc for friends and, and for myself because back in the days it was the only way to get a decent pc for a good price was building it with parts and and tell us about uh i was pleased you pronounced it earlier on so I, and i tried to pay attention but i'm really bad at, at getting pronunciations right because my mind always goes back to the wrong one but tell us about the town where you currently are is it ska, uh, uh, ski is it a ska c it's uh, pronounced as she she right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> S-K-I, but uh, it's a, it says she yeah so what is she like <laughs> She's uh, a nice place. <laughs> we have a big mall, building a new uh, train station here. I think it's uh, one of Norwegian's big, largest train stations coming here now. So it's expanding. It's an expanding city. And uh, it's right outside Oslo. So there's many people who live in she works in Oslo and traveling from she and Oslo. Just a little town. <laughs> it sounds like the kind of place where you've kind of got the benefits of being in a smaller place. Maybe, I don't know, some nice countryside around, but you're close enough to the big city that people can live where you are and work in the big city. There's places like that all around London, so I'm pretty familiar with that. Like, So you started this company to do repairs and not work for somebody else. What size is your company? What does it do and what drives you to do it? What is the name of the company? The name is a PC company. PC company. Right. First personal computer company, you can call it something like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, it's it's quite an easy name to work out in translation. So what kind of a size is, is that? Is PC company? Smallest you can get. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a one-man company. One-man. Yeah. So it's, it's just you. Is it just within Xi that you make repairs? I have a location in Xi near the train station so people can come in and fix their stuff. It's very simple, <laughs> simple uh, work. Or simple, uh, it's as simple as it gets. People came in and delivered what they want to fix and they just have to talk with me, nobody else. They don't have to talk with three or four people. It's only me they have to deal with. That's my favourite kind of store to go into. The smallest amount of human beings I have to talk to, the better. Um, So you fix computers and phones and it's a relatively small company what makes you want to fix people's stuff what motivates you to do that it's just a work like any work everyone has something they work with and yeah that's true it's not my favorite uh, thing to do is fix anything but 
it's uh, nice. The customers get happy, and sometimes I get a wine or some gifts because they're so happy. Right. Uh, nice. Uh, it's always good, and uh, there are new things to fix, and suddenly it's new devices out, and they break, and I have to learn some new things to fix them. There's always something new that I have to deal with. Right. It's always so easy because the manufacturers aren't giving out the, all the information I need to fix things. So, so it's good to have YouTube and other sources to get information how to deal with different devices. Right. It's like a puzzle. Like a lot of people I speak to who work in repair, there's a kind of enjoyment to the kind of puzzle detective work, outsmarting the companies working out how to do it, which I can I can really relate to that. And you're right as well. Sometimes we can try and create narratives as, as people who make stuff whereby everybody has a big desire and calling in their work, but most of us aren't like that. I mean, you find joy in it in places, but it's not like this is my calling all of my life. I've wanted to do that that's absolutely fair enough so tell us how you discovered that you were being targeted by one of the big tech companies who objected to what you were doing can you tell us a little bit more about that because I repair things and use spare parts. Sometimes they are difficult to source these parts from the manufacturers, so I need to find sources to buy parts from. One shipment I got got confiscated by the customs, and I got a letter from the customs that Apple will, uh, wanted to seize and destroy all the parts I have ordered. This is my work, so I've done this since 2010. Since I cannot buy, this from the manufacturer. I have to buy them from China because all the parts are made in China. So I need right. to, I find find sources in China. I import spare parts and the customs sometimes check the shipments and when they see a brand logo or brand name, they check with the company that, yeah. that owns the name or the the logo if this is okay for them. And uh, it was not okay with my shipment and they want to destroy it and give me a fine on it. And then I think I don't want to do illegal things because I want to have this work and continue to have this work and I need these parts to continue. This is my living and stuff. So I won't agree on destroying these items because there are spare parts I need to repair. They are nothing to do with piracy or copying. If you think about the Canada Goose jackets or something like that, you cannot compare this with that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I completely agree with everything you're saying. And also, you know, most people I know who fix things will have to get spare parts often from China, but, you know, they have to source their parts in other places because they're not made available by the manufacturers. It's not that people want to not buy from the manufacturers necessarily, but the manufacturers aren't making their parts available. How did it feel for you to find yourself in the kind of radar of a big $1 trillion company? And what did you do when they said, we're going to fine you and all of that sort of stuff? I just said no. I didn't think this was any illegal doing. So I said, no, I'm not going to destroy these screens. And if you want to destroy it, you have to 
take it to the court and let them uh, decide. And then I waited for some weeks and they took it to the court and I won the first case. And then they made an appeal to a second court. And I didn't think it was uh, going to accept that, but the big company used a lot of money on lawyers and stuff. So they managed to the appeal to go through to a higher court. And lucky for me, I lost in the uh, middle court. But now I have made an appeal myself to the Supreme Court. And they have found mistakes in the process. So they have allowed it to go into the Supreme Court. They're going to look at the case again right. yeah, in a high in the Supreme Court. So this is the final court. Uh, so I will get answers soon. <laughs> it's been three years with this. And it's not so funny when uh, I'm trying to get the business going. It's very difficult for me lately. Absolutely. It must be very stressful, a little bit scary. Like you could call this David and Goliath, but that really wouldn't be accurate because David and Goliath were both human beings. This is a corporation versus one human being who has a shop. It's wildly unfair in terms of the size of them versus you. And I guess it's taking up a lot of your time and probably some of your money. And that must be also practically draining as well as the kind of stress you're experiencing on top of that so my sympathies with you and i guess does that mean that you're in going to the higher highest court is that something you're having to raise funds to do yeah i have uh, raised funds and still trying to raise more because this is not free to go to supreme court there's a lot of money involved so every um, donation is good to get but if i win i think the the judges will uh, say that apple have to pay for my lawyer and all my costs so all the money that i get to the campaign will go back to the right to repair organizations so everybody who supports you and funds you and helps you to make this case if you win you win not just for you but for all of the other davids out there it becomes a legal pre- Precedent, so Goliaths like that corporation can't come and sort of treat you disrespectfully, but also any money raised that isn't covered by the courts, you will then put back into repair organizations and the repair movement in general. If you want to donate money to this case, you can go to gogetfunding.com. So support right to repair. What would you say is the difference between the kind of services provided by manufacturers and the kind of services that you provide? It's much faster, cheaper and faster and less hassle for the customer. Even the police is coming into me and change their phones because they don't have time to ship their phones to Apple. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, the local police are often in uh, change their uh, screens. That further demonstrates that you're a reputable company. <laughs> uh, and we've already mentioned as well, like it's a personal service that you provide. You're an individual that someone's talking to, which again is something that makes a big difference as well as the speed, I imagine. Yeah, it's more personal service. It, it isn't just fill out something on the web. I put the phone in a box and ship it and wait a couple of days and get it back. It's more like you can sit and wait and see uh, that I repair your device and 
have a conversation and something different than uh, just shipping it away. And it goes faster and probably cheaper. But yeah, the bad thing is that the, the warranty is gone when you fix it right. uh, at my shop because I'm not Apple certified. But that's not your bad thing in a way because that's that's because of the way that their warranties work. You're doing a thing that cancels out the warranty but they could make the warranty different so that repairs were allowed and then that wouldn't be an issue. I guess there's also environmental savings that people are doing in terms of they don't have to post it places and so there's like less just less stuff happening isn't there? There's less kind of travel and transport and all sorts of things that kind of all adds up environmentally as well as financially and the screens that uh, are broken i send back to people who refurbish them so i don't throw away the, the broken screens it's like it's going back to third party to use them again and what would you say are the main challenges for independents like you it's getting parts quality parts if you don't have quality parts you get a bad reputation these days people can just go to google and facebook and give you one star or something like that you have to be a good service and you have to provide at the top to be uh, able to have uh, a company if you Google me. I think I only have five stars on Google. That's important. If my parts were bad and the customers get bad screens or get bad repairs, you will see that if you Google my shop on the internet. Right. So you're kind of a lot more exposed in a way than big corporations are who can kind of hide those results if they want to, to a certain extent, if there are are negative feedback, but also they're just so big, they're everywhere. They don't have to build up the same level of trust with the people who use them. To a certain extent, we feel like at least that we don't have much of a choice but to deal with these big corporations. Whereas when we make choices to, to deal with independence, like that's a personal trust personal relationship yeah i can see how you're much more exposed in those kind of ways yeah that's a good point but big corporations can just remove the the ratings yeah there's all sorts of ways that they can balance things in their favor so is it becoming increasingly difficult for you to find parts in the work that you do yeah it's more difficult because i don't know how this is going to end so i cannot order all the parts i want Henrik's ongoing legal case is about Apple's attempt to fully control who can repair its products. Because Apple parts are not available to them, independent repairers import the best parts that they can, including some that use refurbished components to extend the life of our devices. Apple claims that this practice may be illegal. I can have different kinds of screens, but if I have refurbished screens and get stopped in the customs because of the trademark inside, it makes it hard. Apple puts a small Apple trademark on almost all of their parts. Like they use it as a weapon against people who want to import it because they can just say, it's not from us, it's illegal because they don't have bought it from us. And it has an Apple logo on it. It must be some uh, counterfeit uh, goods <laughs> nobody can prove otherwise but apple uh, if apple say it's counterfeit counterfeit if the the company say it's counterfeit it's very hard for another person to say it's not and give proof that it's not counterfeit that's a big problem right what do you think about 
Apple and other companies moves to like allow selected independent repairers to access some of their tools and parts, but not everybody. What do you think of that that decision? If uh, the the company decides who is going to repair and the prices on the repair, it will be a, a situation that. Uh, they can just say that the cost of changing a screen is the same as buying a new one, so no value in repairing. So they are blocking the the competition. Right. You can call it a monopoly. Monopoly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that's not what the European Union wants. Monopoly. Nobody right. wants that. It will destroy the competition. So I see the new repair program that Apple is coming out with. They can sell original screens to unauthorized shops. It's just something they do to misguide the right to repair. No, there's no value in, in that program. And speaking of the, the right to repair, what, what does that mean to you? Uh, and why should it matter to others? For me, it's, I like to repair, not just for others, but for myself. Also, I have a car, a Volkswagen Caddy. I like to repair <laughs> and uh, I like to order parts for it when I need and sometimes I need new brakes so I like to be able to order brakes for my car and I like to have the option of ordering original brakes or third-party brakes right so I want that options for my car and I also want to do that for all my other things I owe myself and I bought if not I feel that I rent it or something I don't own it myself. It's strange to me the idea that that we even have to ask for a right to repair. We we do because we haven't got it, but it seems like such a basic you own something therefore you can do what you like with it, including repair it. But if you can't order parts, you cannot repair it, so Exactly. If you can't order parts, if you can't get into it to repair it, if you need special tools to do so, all sorts of things that can be put in the way of of our ability to repair our stuff. Yeah, it's important because if I have a part and put it in a device, the company can make locks and software locks. So even if you have the original part and change it, it will not be accepted by the software. If you don't have the machine or something. So you've been in and out of court fighting this court case, this corporation for going on two years now. How are you feeling about it all at this stage? It's a big win for me to get this case to Supreme Court. So now uh, I think I'm one nil to me against Apple <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's great. I mean, that's a great position to be in. And I guess... Are you feeling the support from the wider movement coming together around this case? Yeah, it's uh, always good to have uh, the support. And um, if it hadn't been for all the support I was given, I think yeah, I don't have used so much energy on, on this case. Yeah, It makes such a difference, doesn't it? Not feeling alone in something like this, knowing that there's other people out there who support you and, and want you to do well for everybody. You know, it's a communal cause and not just you on your own. Yeah. 
But I guess at the same time, it is also you on your own. Like Those two things are happening at the same time. So it must kind of be great to have that wider support, but also still as a human being, you're one person against this bigger corporation. Although I guess you've got your legal team as well. Yeah, uh, I have to have that to to be in the court. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And what about other repair businesses in Norway? Did they support what you were doing? And... What sort of things do you think they were considering when deciding whether to support your cause or not? It's not much support from some others in Norway, but I think everyone is working a little for themselves. I think uh, everyone is want this case to go in my way. I guess it's tricky for other repair businesses to put their head above the parapet. Maybe they, they are say. also afraid for their stuff to be confiscated and everyone is uh, a little afraid to import and they are quiet about it right i mean that makes sense really because i I can understand although obviously it would be great if they did stand in solidarity with you i can understand the fear that they might have that their business will be targeted by bigger forces than they can handle you kind of fell into this and it sort of happened to you you're there now you you kind of have no choice but to, to stand and fight really and if you want to carry on doing what you've been doing i guess other people can be a bit more scared of the ramifications that could happen you're there it's happening to you But that said, it's very inspiring that you are taking this stand. Many people wouldn't in your circumstance. Many people wouldn't have done as much as you've done to get up to the Supreme Court. You know, it's very inspiring to me to hear you doing that and fighting for years to get this to happen, not just for yourself, but for repair in general. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, well, I mean... You know, thank you, I should say. I mean, you know, thank you on behalf of of everybody that wants to repair their stuff. How best can people support what you're doing, help to to fund your your legal fees and all of those sorts of things? How can people do that and help you to prepare for this Supreme Court appeal? Donating money is a very good help. The more money is donated, the the more money is going into the case. And I cannot see why uh, this is going Apple's way in the Supreme Court. So the money is going back to the repair community. I mean, I guess you're going to need as much in the way of funds as you can get because you're taking on a really big company with loads of money itself. But then if you do win that case, the legal fees will be paid by that company and then you'll be able to donate that money that you have been given by supporters uh, to... Well, who are you donating that money to? That will be uh, the right to repair uh, in Europe. Basically, supporting you supports your case... But also, ultimately, if things go the good way, if if you win that case, it'll also support the the right to repair campaign in Europe. How do people do that? You go to gogetfunding.com and search for right to repair. Everyone at the Restart Project is inspired by Henrik and the stand that he's taken. Speaking to him, I was impressed not only by the stance that he's taking, but also by his humility. Whilst Apple invokes complicated law, weaponizing copyright against repairers who use components, Henrik stands in contrast. His work is simple, as he puts it, but it's also essential. He and thousands of other repairers simply help others solve problems and care for their possessions. They are the first responders in a crisis of consumption and climate. 
that is overtaking our planet. They're creating value by saving electronics from the shredder and offering the public choices. And so whilst they may be doing simple things, those simple things add up to something that is simply essential for our future. We need to support people like Henrik, the people working towards our right to repair. If Henrik is David to Apple's Goliath, then our support is the slingshot that will help him to win. Restart Radio is a show aired on Resonance 104.4 FM and a monthly podcast uploaded to the Restart Project website and found wherever you get your podcasts. As with all episodes of Restart Radio, we'll include links with background information to all of the issues and stories discussed over at the restartproject.org. The music that you've heard in today's episode was made with lasers and repurposed electronics and is a collaboration between Opto Noise and Cassini Sound. And big thanks to Janet from the Restart Project, who did the research and planning for this episode. And now it's time to pack up the equipment and say goodbye to each other. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>